Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Hey, Life Point, how are you? Everybody enjoying the presence of God today? What a great day God's given us to worship Him. And I think your pastor is awesome, even if he is NyQuil-infused this morning. And uh, he's just a little more um, open than he normally is, which is like major because he's already pretty open. So uh, I, I love Donovan and Valerie. I love this great team. Uh, and, uh, wow, you're, you're so blessed in so many ways and on so many levels. Uh, th this great uh, band and worship singers and team, what, a, what an incredible way we've been ushered into God's presence this morning. And Jesus doesn't come near to us to kind of tease us. He comes with intention. And when we sense his presence, it's because he's here among us to move in an incredible way. And so I'm, I'm just honored and excited to be here and, and to share with you something from the word of God this morning. Uh, I am especially excited because uh, just about every, uh, in Canada we have provinces, not states, and just about every church in our province is shut down today because of a snowstorm. We still had church at CCC. I'm sure the crowd was affected but they got a bunch of snow, and people will be shoveling like all afternoon, and I am so thrilled to be here. You have no idea. I am abundantly blessed. I, I have a, a, a word that I really felt uh, definitively uh, direct for this church today. I want to speak to you about God's guarantee. Somebody say, God's guarantee. Uh, that's pretty great because you can get a warranty from Sears or, well, probably not anymore, but Walmart or wherever, and, and that's one thing. But a, a guarantee from God, from his word, is a whole different level. And so here, here's where we want to go, a very familiar uh, portion of Scripture. Now, a lot of people, the first verse I'm going to read, a lot of people have this maybe on a little uh, sign if they're a believer. Maybe they have a little fridge magnet, and they can quote this verse. They've got it memorized. But I'm not sure they really believe it. And the reason I'm not sure they really believe it is when they get into some of the circumstances of life, they really tend to gripe a lot. And so that gives me a clue that maybe they memorized this, but they're not really sure it works. But it does work. And we know, Romans 8, 28, and we know. Somebody say, we know. <laughs> we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, Paul's about ready to jump into the deep weeds theologically here. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed, to be made into the image of his son. That Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren, that the family of God would grow and grow and grow. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. So Paul paints this incredible picture. Here's what he just painted for you. Notice that all those words are in the past tense. He called, he justified, he glorified. He paints this picture because God's not limited by time like you are. So he paints this picture of God being like way off in the eternity future, looking back through time, looking at his people, at all of you. And God knew you would be serving him. God knew you would be in church today. God knew that you'd be making an attempt to have a relationship with him. So God prepared the way for you. 
He's in the future in eternity because time doesn't matter to God. He's in the past, present, future. He's the one who is and was and is to come all at the same time. And he's looking back through time at his church saying, come on, church, you can make it. Come on, you can do this because I already prepared the way for you. And then Paul's punchline is this. What shall we say then to these things? So what do you say to that, devil? What do you say to that, life? Here's what you say. If a God like that is for me, who in the world could ever be against me? That's what you say to that. If God be for us, who can be against us? God's guarantee. Would you lift your hands one time and let's pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, thank you for all of these great people. Thank you that they're part of LifePoint. Thank you that they gathered together with intention and purpose today. Thank you for what you're doing in their lives and help me to help them through your word today. We'll give you all the glory. We invite you to do what only you can do. We invite you to heal what only you can heal. We invite you to fix what only you can fix in our midst today in lives that are here. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Say in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Now here's the thing about living life as a believer. Some people think, if, well, if I become a believer and if I do the God thing and the church thing and the Christian thing, then all of my problems just suddenly evaporate. Well, that's great wishful thinking, but that's not even close to true. God does not promise us that all of the things in our lives will be good. There's nowhere in the Bible that it says that. It doesn't say that in the scripture that we just read. But here's what God does promise, that all things will work together for good. Now, I am not a cook by any stretch of the imagination. I can do severe damage to an egg. I am not a cook. Uh, my wife's a wonderful cook. Uh, Valerie's a wonderful cook. And, and so I gain weight when I'm here, and I try to stave that off, but it doesn't work. So, But here, here's the thing. Here, here's the deal. Years ago, I was teaching on this little passage, and I got this brainwave. I was teaching on all things work together for good. So we were around tables in a midweek kind of Bible study. And on each table, I had set in a little container, a closed container, the ingredients of a chocolate cake. And so one container had a raw egg, and one container had baking soda, and one container had flour, one container had sugar, it, it, so they were all over. And at a certain point in the lesson, I said, okay, everybody open the containers and help yourself. At that moment, there was this strange energy that came to the sugar table. They were having a great time that day. There was a holy cloud around the flour table. It just looked like a haze had surrounded them. And, and, and the baking soda people, they had their mouths, and the raw egg people, they had no idea what to do at that moment. It was just a disaster. And then I said to them what Paul says here. God doesn't promise us that all things in our life will taste good or be perceived as good or feel good. Uh, God doesn't say that, but here's what he says. If you put the ingredients that you walk through in your life, if you'll give them to me, if, if you'll put those ingredients together and apply a little heat to it, like, a, like going through something, what comes out the other end will be good. All things aren't good, but all the good things, all the bad things, all the sad things, all the hard things, if you'll give them to God, they will work together for good. Now, here's God's goal for your life if you're a believer. God's goal is that we be conformed, made into the image of His Son. Uh, in other words, God has a lifelong building project in you 
Um, he, he wants you to become like Jesus. God's guarantee, if you're a believer, this doesn't work for anybody else in the world, only those that give their lives to God. But God's guarantee is he will mold you and shape you on the potter's wheel through all of your circumstances. Just like a potter would take clay and form it, God will use everything in your life to form you into his image, even if it's not good at the time it happens. That's an amazing guarantee. Um, Here's what Jesus is like. We say, well, what's God trying to do? Jesus is like what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. Um, you were created to be a vessel for God's Spirit to dwell in. That's why you feel empty without God, no matter what you achieve, where you go, who you know, or what you do. And, and, and our lives quickly get out of control if we don't let God be in charge of them. Because here's why. Your flesh is left in charge by default. Now, you don't have to admit this in church, but let me just say it for you. Your flesh and my flesh can make some really dumb moves, really stupid decisions, and we can get in a whole lot of, of difficulty. And when your flesh is left in charge to dictate your thoughts and desires and behaviors and actions and reactions, the Bible calls that the works of the flesh. Here it is in a, in a scripture passage, Galatians 5. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, you just do your own thing. The results are very clear. Here's what happens. You can see this everywhere around us. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. It's a long list of all the stuff we can get into left to our own devices. And Paul says, let me tell you again, I've told you this before, but anyone living that sort of life, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sin can't go to heaven. Sin can't serve God. Sin can't uh, have God's purpose unveiled in your life. And so you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And then he spins it. And this is so awesome. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And then he gives us a great list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. There's no limit to what God can do. You don't need rules to produce this. It's God's Spirit in your life that produces this. And so that's why you need God's Spirit. The Bible calls it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need God's power in your life. The Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is simply God taking up residence in you, in your life. And, and he gives you the power to serve him. It's amazing. Now, if you look at that little passage, you'll notice this. The Bible uh, calls it the works of the flesh in the King James Version of the Scripture. The works of the flesh. And works are plural. And the reason that word works of the flesh is plural is because you don't have to do all of them to get in trouble. One of them will take you down. So, so you can't say, well, I'm not a sorcerer. Or I, I don't have like impurity. But if you've got outbursts of anger, you still like messed it up. It's works of the flesh. One of them is enough to mess up your life. One of them is enough to destroy your marriage or any other relationship you're in. One of them is enough to mess up your family, your house. And then notice that when the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the, that's how it's, it's said in the King James Version, the fruit of the Spirit, that's not plural. That's singular. So in other words, when the Holy Ghost comes, 
he's not content to just give you like a little bit of peace but no love for anybody or, or a little bit of love but no joy. He wants to do it all. And, and here's the thing. Some people are naturally uh, kind of attuned to one area maybe. So they'll say, well, I'm very peaceful, so I must have the fruit of the Spirit. No, you're, you're just in a coma most of the time. Or you're just not very ambitious. Or maybe you're a little lazy. That's not peace. So, so here's the thing. The Holy Spirit produces it all in you. Love and joy and peace and patience. It's amazing. And just because your personality leans in one direction doesn't give you a pass. You need all of the fruit of the Spirit in your life because that's what makes you look like Jesus and act like him and live like him. Now, theologians tell us that um, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. That's the initial evidence. That's the beginning evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit. And that makes sense. When God does something supernatural inside of you, he gives you a supernatural sign. You speak in a language you've never learned. That's the supernatural sign that he did a supernatural work. So that makes sense. But if I could say it this way, while speaking in tongues is the first evidence that the Holy Spirit has come into your life, it's not the only evidence. And part of the evidence of the Holy Spirit being in your life is that the fruit of the Spirit starts to grow as you are conformed into God's image. He just starts to let the fruit develop in you. It is God's guarantee, brothers and sisters, that this process will work if you will let it work. Not all parts of God's process are pleasant or quick or easy to go through. You will not appreciate all the tools God has in his toolbox that he uses as he works on your life. Some of God's methods are confusing. Some of them are even frustrating. But we have his guarantee that if we will stay at it and be faithful and be consistent and let him work, no matter what we're walking through, he can take it and use it and make us into his image. What are some of the ways that God uses to conform us into his image? What are some of the tools in God's toolbox? The first one I think is obvious, the word of God. As we're reading the Bible or we're hearing a preacher preach the word of God, we're interacting with God's word. His word challenges us and convicts us. So he uses his word to conform us into his image. He also uses his spirit to convict us of what we might be doing wrong. And, and, and so the spirit will lead and guide us and challenge us in areas in our life. And then God uses this one. I would be really wonderful if God would just use his word and his spirit. But then he does this one. He will use people. Oh, my goodness. And I, I told him in the early service, I said to Jesus on occasion, could you not just use a normal person to rub the rough edges off me? Do you have to use weirdos and wackos and like, come on. But he doesn't listen to me. So he sends people. And some of those people are wonderful. They inspire me to be better. But there are other people that irritate the life out of me. And then I have to go pray. And Jesus says, good, you're going to pray. I use them. And I just like, I don't like that. And, and then God uses circumstances that cause us to pray. And we all have different situations and circumstances. And the thing with circumstances is, you know, at least when you doze off, people disappear for a while. But circumstances just keep on working even while you're sleeping. It's just, you know, it's, it's just bad. And God uses all of those things in his tool belt to, to kind of form us into his image. Because you, if you've given your life to God, 
You are his lifelong building project. He loves you, and he's going to make you into his image. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, For our light affliction, we think it's so heavy right now, but he said it's really a light affliction, and it's only for a moment. Even if it lasts for years here, compared to eternity, it's only for a moment. And here's the great thing for a child of God, no matter what you have to walk through here, it works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Your reward is going to be so awesome when you get to heaven because you walked through something and you were faithful to God. I stood at a funeral of a precious lady in our church congregation a few years back, and she had suffered so much in the last few years of her life, and she basically became confined to her home and then confined to like a chair and, and, and a bed. and it was, it was really difficult to watch her walk through that. And I just was inspired in the moments before her funeral service, before I walked out on the stage and, and, and we did the, the funeral service there. And I said, you know, we have lots of construction in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada, where I live. We, we basically have, um, you know, uh, three, se uh, three seasons and then one special season. Uh, our seasons are before winter, winter, just after winter, and pothole. Those are our four <laughs> seasons, and they're very distinct. And, and so sometimes, you know, we have all this construction. The roads are a mess. And here's what I told the congregation that day. I said, you know, if you all decide after church today to, to meet at a restaurant, we're going to meet here. Well, if somebody goes this way and somebody goes that way and somebody goes this way and, and somebody chooses a road and there's a lot of construction and bumps and stops and delays on that road, by the time we all get to the restaurant, somebody may have taken a little longer to get there. Somebody may have had a little rougher road to get there. But by the time we all get there, we're all there, and you forget all of the difficulties on the road when you got And, and that's heaven because by the time we get to heaven as the children of God, we're going to look back and say, well, it was a little rough for a few months, but I made it, and I'm here, and God's given me this reward. So it all worked together for good. It's, it's amazing. Um, God's guarantee is that he has a purpose behind every problem that comes to you as a child of God. And the storms of life come at us, all of us, but for different reasons. Uh, in the Bible, Jonah, uh, he got in a storm because he was out of the will of God. He was fleeing from the purpose of God. Paul got in a storm because he told them, don't set sail. God spoke to me. We're going to head in a storm. And everybody else on the boat decided we're going to set sail anyway. Paul was a prisoner, so he had to go along. Paul got in a storm because other people in his life were out of the will of God. And then the disciples, Jesus said, uh, set sail, go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They get out in the middle of the sea and a storm comes. It's like, Jesus, you sent us here and now we're in a storm. They got in a storm because they were in the will of God. So we get in storms for different reasons, but here's my point. I hope I can get this in your heart today. No matter what caused it in your life, God can use it for your good. I don't care if somebody else did it. I don't care if the devil did it. I don't care if you messed up. Whatever happened, however it got there, it doesn't matter. God can use it for your good because it's his guarantee for his children. It's amazing. So here we go. There are four kinds of problems we encounter in life. If you say, that's not enough, I know that there's at least 85 different kinds of problems. Well, you keep those. Please do not tell me about the other 81. I've just got four, and it's enough for me. The first kind of issue, problem we encounter in life, the Bible calls it trials. Everybody say trials. Now, it's a strange thing. 
But the Bible teaches us very strongly, beginning with the book of Job, which is the oldest book in the Bible. It's not the first one, but it's the oldest one chronologically. Beginning with the book of Job, the Bible teaches us that God allows trials in our life. He doesn't cause sickness and pain and heartache. and He doesn't cause all of the things that we walk through, but he allows it sometimes to come into our lives. So I, I want you to help me, if you would, today. Um, we're we're going to move our hands in the church. Like, it's amazing, but, you know, you're part of LifePoint. You do this all the time. It's, like, it's great. So, so you're at ease with this. Everybody say, trials. trials. Go like this. Come from God. He lets them come. It's, it's amazing. But God lets them come for one purpose, and that is to draw us closer to him. Now, if trials was all we had to deal with, that would be okay. But there's another one. Everybody say temptations. Now, temptations don't come from, the, 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 from God. They come uh, from the opposite direction, actually. Everyone say temptation comes from the devil. Now, add this to it. Say temptation comes from the devil. Now, we have no idea where the devil actually is at this moment. He could be at your yard like or your home trying to mess something up. He could be in Washington, D.C. for all we know. Well, like we don't know. But we'll say he's down there, okay? He's, the pastor said there's a good chance he's in D.C. But anyway, but he's on NyQuil, so you can't trust everything he says today. So, But the devil could be in D.C. So everybody say trials come from God. Say temptation comes from the devil. Wouldn't that be great if that's all we had, God and the devil? Which is this, God or the devil? But that's not all. There's this other one that comes into our lives. It's called trespasses. Now, if you go out here somewhere, you know, along airline or wherever, and, and you see a sign that says no trespassing, and you ignore the sign, and you just say, ah, oh, that ain't going in, and you walk past the sign, you walk past the fence, you step over a boundary, and you go into their property, you just trespassed. To trespass means you encroach on somebody else's rights or somebody else's territory or property. That's trespassing. And the Bible gives us the same sense of that word. For example, if the God makes a law, a rule, a commandment, and you ignore it and you just walk on by, what you've done is you have trespassed God's commandments. You've, you've encroached on God's righteousness, on his territory, his property, and you've offended God's holiness. That's trespassing. But there's this other sense in the Bible of trespass. It doesn't happen between us and God. It happens between us and other people. There are some times that people come into your lives or they're part of your lives and they do things to you or they say things to you or about you and it crushes you. And you're pretty big and tough and in control most of the time. But for every one of us, there are those moments when something somebody said to us or about us, it rings in our ears for months and maybe years. Something somebody did. And, and I'm not just kind of playing around here. There are things that people walk through where somebody did something to them, literally trespassed into their life, on their person. And sometimes it's a little child and there's abuse and they grow up and they're now an adult and they're very successful. But something can trigger that memory. Something can trigger that thought and it's like instantly they're back there. Instantly they feel the feelings. They, they feel the terror. They can almost see the room and smell smells and it's just, it's crippling to them. That person trespassed against you. And you're left with it. It's unbelievably hard. Somebody say trespasses. Now would you go like this? 
Say, they come from others. And, and, and as we do this, I would request that you just keep your hand moving at all times. Do not make a jabbing motion at anyone. Do not touch anyone, especially if they were related to you. Do not go. Please don't do that. Okay. So, so here's what we've got so far. Everybody say, trials come from God. Temptations come from the devil. Trespasses come from others. Oh, there's one more. It would be nice if I could deal with all of that because then I could put the blame on others and God and the devil, but there's one more. The Bible calls it troubles. Everybody say troubles. Um, guess where troubles come from? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm very intelligent and astute and whatever. Yeah, right. So my idea of vehicle maintenance is change the oil once every five years, whether it needs it or not. That is my idea of vehicle maintenance. Okay. So, so here's the thing. When my car has issues, I cannot say, oh, the devil attacked my car this morning. Yes, it wasn't the devil. It was me. I attacked my car by not maintaining it properly. Uh, so so say, say this with me. Say trouble comes from me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, there, there was this moment in my life uh, at the church. I, I, I'm a pastor in, in Canada. And I was in the office on a Sunday morning really early, and I'd prepared the sermon for the day. And, and I had some paper that needed to be shredded. So I walked into the, uh, the, the copier room in the church office where we have the copier and some other things, some machines, a postage meter, whatever, and the beast, the paper shredder. Uh, now, I, I'm not a real proud person, but I would confess to being a little arrogant on this point that I have always made fun of people who were so stupid that they could possibly catch an article of their clothing in a paper shredder. I just thought that was the height of human stupidity, like Darwin Awards kind of thing. And, and on this Sunday morning, I, I have no idea what happened, but I was leaning over the paper shredder to shred these documents with a necktie on, which is a whole different thing. I need therapy. But, but as I leaned over, that beast reached up, grabbed hold of my necktie, and all I heard next was, Aah! and it had me by the throat, literally dragging me down into the paper shredder. I am not exaggerating. This really happened to me. This, this was awful. And, and you know that saying that, that we say, like if you get in a near accident on the highway, maybe you hit an icy patch, not you, but us. Uh, if you hit this patch and you're out of control and your car's spinning and, 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 and you, that your life flashes before your eyes, that works with paper shredders. I just want you to know. Because I could see the headlines. I could see the headlines. It's like pastor strangled in church office early on Sunday morning. Church in mourning, a few rejoicing. I could see all the headlines. It was unbelievable. But a rare burst of superhuman energy. No, I just got scared to death. And so I'm flailing around. And finally, I caught hold of the cord that plugs that thing into the wall, reefed it out of the wall, and saved my life. I still have the necktie. I, I still have it. It's still got the knot in it. I just pulled it off my head and I put it up as a memorial before the Lord to remind me that, Raymond, sometimes you are really dumb. It's, I, I could take you there. It's in Fredericton. It's not in a glass case or anything, but it's there. Now, now here, here's, here's the thing. I didn't go to the pulpit that morning and say, Church, 
this morning, the devil tried to take pastor out. I didn't do that because that wasn't the devil. That was me. So help me one more time. We're going somewhere with this. Uh, it's not NyQuil. I didn't take any. Okay, so, so, so here we go. Everybody say, trials come from God. Temptation comes from the devil. Trespasses come from others. And trouble comes from me. Now, here's, here's where a lot of people get uh, stuck in their Christian life. Because every one of those circumstances demands a different response. And the Bible tells us what that response should look like. But sometimes people react to a trespass like they should be reacting to a trouble or vice versa. And, and so they respond wrong. And, and God's guarantee is like any other guarantee. It will work if you follow the agreement. If you, so, so you've got to handle it like God says. But here's what he promised. If you'll handle these four situations that come to every one of us, if you'll handle them according to what I said in my word, I guarantee they will work together for your good. So, so let's go back through one more time. Um, somebody say, troubles, troubles come from me. How do you deal with a trouble? Well, the psalmist said this in Psalm 31. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Oh, I'm crying. My eye is consumed with grief. My soul and my belly, belly I'm, I'm like in spasms of grief and I'm crying and weeping. But notice what he said. Have mercy upon me, O God. Say it again. Say, trouble, trouble. comes from me. Now do this. Say, I need to repent. I need to ask God for forgiveness. If I made the call, if it was my anger or if it was my desires or if it was my pride or if it was my decision and I messed up my family, my marriage, if I messed up my kids, if I did something wrong, I had the bad day, I made the wrong call, then I need to be a big enough person to say, oh God, please forgive me. Trouble comes from me, so I need to repent. Repentance is such a privilege. We don't even understand. We've hardly touched the tip of the iceberg on repentance. When you repent, God says, if you'll ask me for forgiveness, I will show up in a heartbeat and what the devil meant to take you out and take you down and what should have messed you up permanently, I'll forgive it and I'll let you get back and you'll be okay. I promise I'll use it even for your good. Can you imagine how great that is that God can even use your worst mistakes and somehow if you'll ask him sincerely to forgive you, God can even take your worst moments, your darkest nights, your, your stupidest wrong turns. He can take all of that and work it together for your good. That's amazing. That's a guarantee only works for the people of God. Now, now trouble isn't all you got to deal with. Say temptation. Where's temptation come from? Temptation comes from the devil. So you do not do, deal with a temptation the way you deal with a trouble. The devil would prefer you to deal with him the same. That if he tempts you, you just say, oh, forgive me, God. Oh, and you just start crying and weeping and you're weak and you just collapse in a puddle on the floor. Oh, the devil would love that because then he can just keep attacking you. But the Bible tells us when the devil's trying to pull you back into that world, he's trying to pull you away from your relationship with God. If he's trying to tempt you, you don't handle a temptation like you handle a trouble. Here's what the Bible says about temptation. It comes from the pen of James, who was like a half-brother to Jesus. Jesus was virgin born, but later Mary and Joseph had other kids. James was one of them. He grew up in the same house as Jesus. 
And so James was probably a little emotionally scarred from growing up in a house with a perfect older brother. You know, Jesus always eats his bananas and Jesus always makes his bed and Jesus always helps with the dishes and James, what is wrong with you? So he, James does not play. He just tells it like it is. So, so, so here's what James says. He, he just comes right at us. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Here's his principle. Resist the devil. Not repent. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Put your hands out like you're trying to stop a freight train and push. That's how you fight back with the devil. When the devil comes at you and he's trying to pull you back into sin, pull you off track, you have a right to fight in the Bible. And so you resist him. You pray every prayer. You call on the name of Jesus. You plead the blood. You talk in tongues. You do whatever you can. But you push the devil back out of your life. You don't belong in my home. You don't belong in my kids. You don't belong in my marriage. Devil, I push you back. I have a right to fight. You are not getting me off track. I'm headed for heaven and I am not turning around. So you just resist. We take way too much from the devil and just act like it's life. If it's not just life and it's the devil, you have a right to push him back. Somebody say temptation comes from the devil. So I need to resist. Now this next one is a little difficult because trespasses come from where? And because trespasses come from others, you don't have much control over them. Uh, You you really don't. Um, Jesus tells us how to deal with a trespass. And he always teaches us the same way. When Jesus talks about other people doing wrong to us, trespasses, he always tells like little stories and he always gives us principles and he always says the same thing. He told this story about a king, a, a rich, rich king, who loaned like a million dollars to a servant. And the servant goes out and squanders that investment. And then comes back to the king and says, I can't pay. He took his money. He wasted it. He squandered it. The king has a right to be rate, repaid. That is his money. The servant did wrong to the king. And so now the king is faced with a decision in Jesus' story. I can go punish that servant every day. I'm the king. I can say, beat him again. I can say, lock him up forever. I can say, don't let his family visit him. I can say, beat him again. I can just say, beat him again. I can can do that every day of my life. I can make sure that I punish and punish and punish and hate and hate and hate. And I can just do to him what he did to me. But wait a minute. I'm a king. I've got a kingdom to run. I don't need to take part of my mental energy and go down to the prison house in my mind or in my body every day and make sure he's being punished. What a waste of my time. What a waste of my life and my energy that would be to focus on something that somebody did to me for the rest of my life. So in Jesus' story, you read it every time. The king says, I tear up the debt. I tear up the bill that's owed me and I forgive him. See, forgiveness is not a feeling in Scripture. Forgiveness is a choice. And and people talk to me. I'm a pastor. They talk to me. Well, I don't feel any different. You're not maybe supposed to. Forgiveness is a choice. Even though they did wrong, even though it hurt, even though I, I still remember, even though if I let my mind, I can go right back to that moment, and it hurts, and it was wrong, and they were wrong, and it was unjust and unfair. 
Pastor, if I forgive them, I let them go. Oh, wait a minute. You might let them go, but guess who else you let go? You let you go free. You let your mind be free. You let your heart be free. You let your emotions be free. And God will help you because he's the one who told us to do it. And, and I know there's pushback on that from people because it's like, you don't know how bad they hurt me. You don't know what a terrible sin or crime it was that they did against me. And I know. And God's not saying they were right to do that. And they've got to deal with God on their own because if they don't repent, that's major trouble with God. But can I tell you, God's concerned about you. He wants you to be free. It's, it's amazing. Here's what Jesus said. This is right after he taught his disciples how to pray, the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You've got to set them free so God can set you free. You, you've got to let it go with them so God can let your sin go between you and him. And so uh, would you put your hand out like this and just grip your fist until you, you can feel it and then just go like, that's what God says. For trespasses, you release it. You, you, just, you, you just release it. I, I was walking through an airport uh, probably four or five years ago now, but I, I still remember it like it was yesterday. I'm walking down this big wide concourse. It's kind of like a sloped ramp at the time, and, and there's this other uh, preppy kind of looking couple coming up, and they're, they're really well-dressed, and they're just chatting and talking, and they're obviously like really cool people, and, and, and they're, but they've got this like little like three, four-year-old girl behind them, and she's uh, coming behind her parents, and she's dragging one of those hard shell cartoon kind of little uh, carry-on cases, and she's cute as a button, and she is singing at the top of her lungs, and I'm coming the other way. And as I walk by them, I can detect what she's singing <clears throat> because she doesn't care that everybody can hear. And she's singing one of those great old hymns of the church. Let it go, let it go. <laughs> and she was so cute. I literally turned around and said, you sing, sister. Because if I could give you a gift today, that would be the gift I would give you. The ability to be able to let go of some things that people have done that hurt you, messed you up, hurt your family. But see, it's not about letting them go free. It's about you walking out of here today free because you just let go. Because God promised that no matter how bad it was, how wrong it was, how unfair it was, if you'll release it, I will turn that around and I will even use that for your good. Do you understand that God can make your most terrible situation, he can make it into the brightest spot in your testimony and forever in your life. Other people will be helped and healed because of what God did for you when you just said, I release it. Oh, I think we need to just lift our hand for a minute and let God just talk to us because if you could just release that, God could give you your joy back. God could give you your peace back. God could give you all of that that you feel like got robbed from you. He can give it back to you. It's his word. It's his guarantee. It always works. It always works. It's amazing. Let, let me come to a close here. Um, everybody help me one more time, if you would. Say, um, trouble comes from me, so I need to repent. Yeah. Say, temptation comes from so I need to resist. Yeah. Everybody say, trespasses come from so I need to 
Felix. And if you're sitting in this service and you say, well, Pastor Raymond, that's all well and good, but I've, I've kind of searched my heart. I'm really trying to do this diligently and serve God. And I've searched my heart while you've been talking. And, and honest, like I, I've experienced all of those. I probably handle them wrong sometimes. But as of right now, I can't think of anything that I'm in trouble for, that I need to repent for, that I, I took a wrong turn or made a mistake. You know, I, that's been me before. But but today, I, I think I'm okay. And, and right now, I don't think I'm facing this battle with the devil over temptation. I've been there before. Don't you misunderstand. I've been there, but today I think I'm okay. And 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 even with, you know, the, the whole trespasses thing and other people doing stuff against me, I sure have experienced that, but I have released it. And, and But Pastor Raymond, I've still got these situations. I've still got these circumstances, and they're not fun, and I don't like them, and they hurt. And, and I don't know what I did to cause it. Well, if that is you, let me give you a wonderful word from God. There's one more. We started with it today. Everybody say trials. trials. Do you remember where trials come from? They come from God. God literally allows things in our lives. Have you ever had this experience that you walked through this horrible, deep, dark valley, and you didn't like it, and you wouldn't choose it again? And it wasn't fun at all, but you got to the other end, and you look back and you thought, you know what? That wasn't nice, but I've never been closer to God than I am right now. I've never prayed more than I have over this last few weeks or this last couple of months. Anybody but me ever experienced that? that that's what the benefit of a trial is. God allows them because they cause us to look to him. And, and, and we discover how to deal with trials from this unlikely source. It's a man in prison, literally on death row. His name is the Apostle Paul. This is the last letter. In fact, it's the last chapter of the last letter he will ever write to any church on this earth. He's going to be martyred for the name of Jesus. And he's in prison, not his own fault, not his own doing. It's totally unfair and totally unjust. And he doesn't understand why God would allow him to be in prison. Nobody would. All I did was preach the gospel, try to help people, try to share the good news. And here I am in prison, on death row. And Paul, this, this something gets a hold of him. In prison. And so from a prison cell, I've been in that prison cell. It's the Mamertine prison. It's under about a story and a half under the street level of Rome. And Paul spent, we have no idea, months in that prison. And I, I've stood in that little cell and thought about this scripture. Here's what Paul wrote from a prison cell. Philippians 4 verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Do you know what you do if you get in the middle of a trial that you don't understand and you didn't cause and you don't know if it's from the devil or you, you, you don't know if it's from others? You just don't understand it and it's not fun? Would you lift your hands just like this? Here's what you do. You just get in God's presence and you just go to prayer and you just say, I'm rejoicing anyway. I'm going to worship God anyway. I don't care what caused it. I know God can use it. I don't know where it came from, but here's what I know. I know where I'm going and I am not going to be turned around by anything that comes against me. So I'm going to lift up my hands and I'm going to rejoice in God because I'm his child and he guaranteed that whatever came to me, however it got here. He can use it for my good. Oh my goodness, I wish everybody stand with me for just a moment. That's God's guarantee, brothers and sisters. It works for you. It works in your life no matter what is going on. And so today I want to challenge you as we prepare to come to prayer together.
as the family of God, I want to challenge you. No matter what is going on in your life, there could be somebody here that you said the angry, hurtful words that fractured your family. And you need to ask God to forgive you. And you probably need to ask somebody else to forgive you. There could be somebody here that the devil's really trying to pull you back to your old life and your old addictions and your, your old associations that, that pulled you down. And you need to resist him today. You have a right to fight. You don't have to take that lion down. There, there could be somebody here, and I really think in many places there are a lot of people that somebody did them wrong, somebody hurt them so bad, and they still remember it. And you've remembered it while I've been talking. You can feel the feelings. You can remember. And the memories are not nice. You, 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 you're there. But then there's other people that just, it's just life. And it just came at you and you didn't cause it. It's maybe not even from the devil. It's just life. So God allowed it. And the best thing you can do is one more time, get yourself into the manifested, moving presence of God and just let God's healing wash over you. Let's pray together before we come. We're going to pray and close up here at the front as family. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these kind people that have listened so attentively. Jesus, I love these people. And you love them much greater than I do, even greater than pastor does. Jesus, I pray that you would do what only you can do in their lives. I pray that you would heal what only you can heal. And I pray you would fix what only you can fix. And I pray you would do what only you can do. And I pray it in the greatest and highest name we know, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.